Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Let's go. David, I'm here today with David Greenberg, coach, consultant, educator, and YouTuber of David Greenberg Consulting. David, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Deep, and it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm glad to have you. Um, so for everyone listening, the reason I reached out to David was he has coach slash consultant in his title, and that, that's kind of what I want to talk to him about. We have not, beyond like maybe about 30 seconds prior to this recording, had an introduction, so we're kind of new to each other. Um, David, in that 30 seconds, mentioned this is a little bit like speed dating, so you're coming along for the ride. Um, so David, let's get right into it. Like So... David Greenberg Consulting, what, like, can you describe kind of where's your focus? Cause consulting is kind of this, this loaded term. Um, what do you, what's your forte around consulting? Yep, definitely. And I'll probably modify that title in the future. Mo at least half of what I do is coaching. So it's kind of a blend of coaching and consulting. Okay. That mix depends on who I'm working with and, you know, what comes up. I guess if you want to take an average, it's maybe about 50-50. Okay. No, that's great. Um, so coaching, I mean, yeah, so coaching slash consulting, what areas do you coach in and, and consult on? Well, my natural sweet spot is sales. I've been selling since I was 11 years old. It's kind of a natural space for me. So I would say predominantly what I'm coaching is around and consulting is around uh, improving sales and building sales processes. So the coaching side is how to show how to perform better on the sales conversations, how to cr create conversations that will more likely lead to business. Mm -hmm. And then on the consulting side is looking at the entire process of sales and, and how we can optimize that and how we can both optimize it, but also uh, understand what's going on by getting good feedback. I love it. So, so do you help, like, how, how do you, execute on that consulting piece and the coaching like so i have a couple questions around the board actually so let me let me rewind a little bit so on the coaching side you mentioned coaching on sales what types of individuals and or businesses do you think that you can help the most yep i i definitely prefer to work with either individuals or very small businesses so i guess if you wanted to um, define it in terms of a measurement it'd probably be companies with less than 10 employees Okay. Um, a lot of solopreneurs and small businesses, they could be startups or they could be well-established. I'm not opposed to working with larger companies. It's just this has generally been my sweet spot. And part of that is because everything I do is one-on-one. -on -one, so I work mm. very closely with my clients. And if they're a small business owner, it, it, it makes it much easier to work with them on that one-on-one -on -one basis. And I'm going to make a leap here. The consulting side can be a kind of a a value added service to your coaching because some of you, I'm guessing some of your clients don't know how to establish sales processes and funnels and playbooks and things like that. Is that, is that a fair assessment or am I completely way off? 
it could be that or they just don't have the time or it's not the best use of their time and if i can add value by helping them in that regard then i certainly will you know at least make that offer so yes and also the fact that i have a very strong technical background makes it easy for me to solve a lot of challenges that for some business owners it's just it seems to mystify them interesting so so like how do you apply your technical background to your sales consulting is it mostly around like systems like establishing like outreach systems like can you elaborate a little bit on that yeah it's a lot of systematizing so for example a lot of people i'm seeing are struggling because they don't really even have a system to uh, for example, let's just use a simple example to monetize their LinkedIn network to gotcha. to effectively mine and prospect within that network in a way that they can keep track of what they're doing and make it relevant and also measure the results. So, for example, I know exactly what percentage of the people I reach out to accept my invitation to a call. It's 9%. So I know that number because I measure it because I have systems in place that allow me to see exactly what's going on. But a lot of people, they don't even know what data, you know, they, they don't, they can't even ask or answer basic questions about what's going on in their business. And it makes it harder for them to figure out, well, what should I focus on next if, if, if I don't know, you know, what is my weakest link, for example. That's, that's a great point. So how do you convince them that status quo for that type of individual? It's kind of like ad hocing their entire outreach or ad hocing their kind of their, their day to day, whatever they do, like wake up in the morning and they do something. And they're kind of just winging it. How do you convince them that winging it isn't isn't the way to succeed? Well, usually I don't have to convince them. I let them convince themselves. So usually okay. I just ask really good questions, and they start to see how how they're essentially leaving opportunity on the table. So I get them to kind of discover for themselves that what they're doing is not optimal. But it's always based on a uh, on a gap. Like there has to be something that they want to do that they're not getting to. If there's no strong desire if there's no goal out there then you know i can't really help them in fact the clients that i want to work with, they usually have pretty big goals and and the goals that are big enough that even i can feel enthusiastic about wanting to get you know put my weight behind it so there will definitely be a gap but then the question is i help them to see why what they're doing right now is they're just gonna they're not gonna get closer they're not gonna be able to close that gap and you don't have to tell me specifics and names in particular, but have you run across where, you know, I mean, I, I, I did LinkedIn stalk you before this, uh, this interview, this. So, um, and it's, it, according to LinkedIn, at least you've been doing this for about six years, roughly. Is that accurate? Um, in that six year span, have you run across anyone that was like, when you did your own assessment of things that you can improve for them, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is a real fixer upper for this either individual, the product, the business or what have you. And can you share any of that in terms of how you took them from a fixer upper and raise, you know, raise their success point? Do you have any anecdotes that you can share? Yeah, well, I, I, absolutely. So when you say fixer upper, I, I guess you assume you're saying like a real a dramatic improvement. Correct. Yeah. Like, like they, they, it's almost a diamond in the rough, right? So like you're taking this individual or a solopreneur, whomever it might be, and they have, um, they have a good product. They have a good like strategy, like every, like they have, there's something that's good about it. Like the spine is really good about what they're trying to accomplish. They're just in, they're like disheveled effectively when it comes to trying to actually sell it and turn, you know, move the needle in terms of what the services that you can help them with. So that's kind of like, you know, is it, does your coaching come around the polish around their delivery? Do you do, um, yeah, so I, rather than putting words in your mouth, 
Can you, can you answer that? Like, what's your take on that? Sure. I usually start with the, the easiest thing first. And almost every week, deep, I have a conversation with someone where this particular thing that I'm about to say has a big impact on them. And that is, if you're not selling enough, you need to have more conversations. And I think that this is like something that I keep running into over and over again, over and over again. This is why I've, a lot of my content focuses on it. It's just like, I can't, if I had a dime for every time or a dollar for every time that someone told me on a call, well, yeah, I need to spend more time on my, on my funnels. I'm not quite finished building them or I need to get that website up mm-hmm. or I need to, you know, uh, create more content, more videos. And those things are fine. But then I always go around and ask them, well, how many conversations are you having every week with people just in general? Like not even, you know, necessarily even a sales, specifically a sales conversation. Cause we rarely want to frame a conversation in sales unless it's an inbound marketing lead that is specifically looking for our solution. True. It's not in that criteria. We just want to call it a conversation. Right. And so okay. I usually ask people, how many, how many conversations are you having every week? That's really good. Um, crickets. <laughs> it's like goes from what zero to one like what in your experience when you start with someone what what would the average response be number if you were to guess i'm not asking for actual like real number but like roughly one it's all maybe? over the board i mean the ones that are struggling the most they're they're not even having a conversation a week uh, you know that's obviously where they're getting stuck um yeah. for people who are maybe more along it's you know there could be different issues as we move further along in, in mm-hmm. the process um, a lot of, you know, once we get them on conversations, the next big thing is how to sell without selling, right? How to not be salesy, how to not be pushy, how to not yeah, be, be real. a typical salesperson, but how to also not just be a friend. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tightrope. So you teach them to walk that tightrope. Yep. And I teach them how to improve their own ability to do that because, um, everybody is unique and I don't you know, want to impose a, a personality paradigm on anyone, but I teach, you know, I show them the principles and then I allow them to create a feedback loop where they can keep improving on the same, you know, three or four principles that everyone really should master. It's really good. And how long does, does, do you tend like, so when someone comes to you and they're saying, all right, well, I, David, I really need your help. Like I'm, I'm, I can't close the door. Right. Um, generally, in, in on average because you do work with solopreneurs and, and the individuals you work with are they do they are they generally like sales executives account executives that that work for another enterprise company or something or is it mostly solopreneurs that you work with yeah i would say the vast majority are, are either solopreneurs or they are the business owner themselves like they're the head coach they may work with a spouse or with a business partner or with some other colleagues but they are basically the bit the brand okay um and and typically you're you're how long do you work with them? Or is it kind of once you're in, you're kind of in for the long haul to help them meet their ultimate goal, which might be turning a solopreneur into a unicorn possibly, right? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I don't go in with any prejudgments about how long we work together. It always starts though with a two hour free coaching call. So anybody who's on the front end who I feel like at least I have an opportunity to give them some value, Mm-hmm. I'm always going to invite them to a free coaching call, which is two hours long. There's no obligation to hire me uh, at all. Uh, and I'm going to coach you just like you were had paid me thousands of dollars because I do the same coaching for everyone. Well, that's and, tiny and, consulting. and then uh, what will happen is a certain percentage of people from that experience will get results and they'll either immediately want to work with me or they will 
go off and implement what I what they learned from our experience, and then after getting certain level of results, they may come back and say, "Wow, David, I, I want to keep. I want to get." I love that. Going. That's 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 a great way to establish that trust. So your point of, you know, how do you how do you sell without being a salesman, and not be a friend at the same time? So I like that. Um, is there so one of the things I ask all all the guests that that come on this show is things they don't teach you in school. So again, kind of LinkedIn stalking you. You mentioned yep. earlier that you're a you you you're a technologist, so you have a computer science degree, but you got into sales somehow. Can you kind of walk us through how that happened? How did you go from being a computer like a computer engineer or like a developer to now coaching the solopreneur? What did that journey look like? Well, it kind of all happened at the same time because when I was 11 years old, two things happened. I maybe well more than two things, but relevant to this, two things happened. I learned about door-to-door sales and mm-hmm. started selling door-to-door as, a, as an 11-year-old kid, selling greeting cards, and discovered the whole world of sales and what it means to earn money based on producing a result. Okay. And then I also was exposed to computers, and this was of course back in the time of the original Apple computers and very very basic, you know, yes. unintended computers that, uh, that I, but I was very taken by them because I saw the power of, of computing and I wanted to partake in that. So both of those things happened at the same time. And I've, it's just kind of been a parallel or a dance between the two through my whole career. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, sometimes one has been more than the other. And I would say over the last years, because I value relationships so much, probably sales and coaching have, have taken a higher you know, priority, but the, the technical aspect is always there. Awesome. Um, in your, in your travels in the six years, are there any kind of school of hard knocks, um, lessons that you can share that you've learned, right? So an example that I give for myself, um, goes from val- pricing and value to, um, Another one is just kind of how I open the conversation, right? So when, when I, the way that I personally got into sales was I was a sales engineer, solutions engineer for, for telco, AT&T and, um, or actually for level three communications at the time, applying for a sales engineering role at AT&T. And, um, this is back before iPhones. And so I saw the, the phone number dial come in and it was a 415 San Francisco based number. I thought it was one of my buddies from childhood who'd gone, who'd recently graduated from Berkeley and just presumed it was him. Answer the phone as affectionate, like, you know, friendly as I possibly could because it's my childhood friend. And turns out it was a hiring manager for AT&T. And so one of the things that I learned from that experience, because ultimately, you know, one thing to led to another and I got an offer letter that was for a sales executive, not a sales engineer or solutions engineer, thought it was wrong, thought they made a typo somewhere. But because one of the things that I learned from that is I picked up the phone, cell phone, and opened up the conversation in a particular persona. And when he, when the gentleman on the other side told me he was a hiring manager, I couldn't, I couldn't like put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. I was already in this persona and the persona was friendly, was warm, was, um, and so I just continued that and throughout all the interviews, cause I had to play that, play that game, so to speak. Um, and so that school of hard knocks that I learned from that is kind of the delivery and the messaging. It's not just the message that you're delivering, but it's how you deliver the message is the, is the kind of school of hard knocks that I learned. So similar to that. And, and, and 
I never looked back since when the hiring manager gave me the job for a sales executive, account executive, I was a little nervous and it was hard in the first six months, but I figured it out and never looked back. But like that to me is, is something that maybe they do teach a little bit in kind of sales certification, sales consulting courses. But, but what are some of the things that you learned personally along the travels of your sales growth personally that typically are not shared in books? Great. Uh, I would say very high on the list is don't chase the money. Don't okay. make the money the, the most important thing, because if you do, you will fall in with people who don't necessarily share your values because they've also prioritized the money. And this happened to me. I would fall in, you know, try. I would work with companies only to find out that they weren't reputable in the way that mm -hmm. I thought. And I could have easily figured that out if I had prioritized the value of, you know, the the ethics and the value, you know, the morality of it over just making a paycheck. So never prioritize making a paycheck. And there's a very simple reason why you want to do that. We live in an abundant universe. I mean, even from a practical perspective, if you do what I have and study the financial system at a deep level, like understand what a Federal Reserve banking system actually is, then you will you will also understand that there, that money is, you know, being created every day. I mean, we're basically creating money out of thin air and that's fine. That's the game we've chosen to play. So don't worry about it. Instead, instead of chasing that money, which you're going to be able to create anyway, focus on value, focus on what's really important. And what will happen is that system will simply rearrange itself to support whatever your efforts are and you'll get paid handsomely because you because of the value that you're creating. You won't have to worry about where the money's coming. It'll just keep coming. I like it. Um... Interesting. And, and can you share, like, do you remember the point in time where you realized you had that, you came to that realization? Was there, was there a finite point in your, in your travels that, that you had that epiphany and what, 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 what was, what was happening right before that epiphany? Well, I don't think it happened all at once, but I had some pretty big knocks on the head, I guess, if you want to say it. Uh, I found myself working for a company. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, a coaching company that, had I been thinking straight, I would have never agreed to work with them. I, I think their their values were all about extracting as much money out of their clients as possible. So it was literally the opposite of what I, you know, really want to embody in my values. Yeah. And I realized that I had gotten to a very low space where I had, you know, I had become so desperate, if you want, you know, to make a paycheck. Yep. Or you know, my priorities were all wrong in, inside of myself. So I don't know if it hit me all at once, but I kind of, it's kind of started dawning on me. And I think it was a sequence of, of eye-opening events, things that happened in the context of working with that company that, you know, opened my eyes a bit more and opened a bit more until finally I reached a point where it was just like, okay, I can't continue with this. Interesting. So, so how, I mean, so when we're, we're in the thick of it and you were in the thick of that, how did you decide or how, like, did it? Did someone decide for you? Like, this is not enough. Like, hey, David, this is not working out. And they decided for you, or did you decide? Did you come across? Because it's very hard um, when we no, are stuck. I, I walked away. I told them I wasn't going to continue. That's good. Yeah, because yeah, that's hard to to make that decision to make that call is really hard to do. I've I I'm, I've been fortunate, knock on wood, where um, I've been in bad situations, but. Um, I didn't pull the trigger as fast as I should have. In some cases, I stayed at a company for eight and a half years, um, probably four years too long. 
um, because I couldn't pull the trigger and be like, all right, I'm done with this. I can't, I can't survive this. And just kind of for that paycheck, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to make that call. Um, yeah, I think one thing I had going for me is I, all through my life, I've had a low action threshold. It doesn't take a lot of information for me to make a decision. I think I've been blessed because I know like making decisions is probably the one thing that most people struggle with in life more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Just making a decision one way or the other. We see this at sales, of course. A lot of sales and helping people with sales is about helping them make a decision one way or the other, whether it's a yes or a no. Yes. And so I think I've always been blessed deep that I've not struggled with making decisions. If anything, I'm more I'm more likely to pull the trigger and then afterwards maybe you know say okay maybe I could have thought about that a little more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather than the other way around. Instead of measuring just once, being like, maybe I should have done twice, two measurements, and then then cut. Yep. Um, no, that's fair. I actually, I admire folks that that are able to do that and kind of move forward. Um, I am a, uh, I'm a measure twice, three times in some cases type of individual um, before cutting. And I, I wish that I could just be like, all right, left or right? All right, we're going right and just don't even look back. We just go. Like, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, Interesting. Is there anything like, so, so we talked about a few things from a sales consulting, a sales coaching standpoint. Is there anything that you'd like to share with listeners for, of revenue accelerators? How can they move? You the mean out in addition, outside of the context of that or? Yeah, I mean, well, kind of like so outside of what we've already spoken about. Sure. Um, is there anything that kind of came to mind that you'd like to talk through that I didn't, I didn't take you down that path of conversation that you want to raise with sure. us? Sure. I would also just share, like like you mentioned when you introduced me, Deep, that I'm all, in addition to being a coach and a consultant, I'm also an educator and a YouTuber. So I would just invite people, and you can find my links. I'm sure you'll share the links, but you can also find them from my LinkedIn. Um, I've created quite a few videos, and um, my videos really don't have anything to do with sales. Uh, they do have a lot to do with mindset. Uh, they have a lot to do with mindset and psychology. But it's not specifically about sales. It's more my, uh, and this could open up a whole conversation, so I'll try to be concise about it, but it's kind of my delving into the world of the occult, meaning the world of hidden science, I guess, to put it in a very concise way. Interesting. Um, particularly science of psychology, mindset. And this is why intuitively we see like it's, it's you know, people talk about mindset incessantly, and even in the business context. And there's a reason. The reason is because we live in a universe where the mind is, is the predominant force of creation. I mean, we're, we live in a mental universe. So, so everything, everything is about the mindset. So, uh, but I dive into that a little deeper in, in the videos that I create. And I have a lot of, some pretty cool videos. I did a live talk in September hosted by uh, someone in my network, Susan Crossman. She's a book coach. So people can check that out on my YouTube channel. I think, you know, you might get value from that. So I would, that's awesome. I so wanted to share that in addition to everything else. Oh, that's awesome. I actually like which, because we had another guest, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name at the moment, but um, who talks about mindset as well. Right. So like it's m- mindset over technique, I think is what his, yeah. his quote was. So it's not just about like kind of the going through the motions. It's about the mindset that takes you through those motions as well. Um, so sure. When you when you talk about mindset, if you can def, define it just a little bit, actually, because I don't want to leave it just at mindset, the term mindset, but because you know when and I have two kids. When my kids were younger in elementary school, that the school actually had a very kind of concerted effort to teach parents about growth mindset versus fixed, 
in terms of what you're capable of as an individual. You're not just kind of stuck at what you're capable of. Like you're, you can grow and you can learn throughout the rest of your life. And that in, in and of itself is a mindset. But is that, is that along the lines of your definition of mindset when you, when you mention the word mindset or is, is it, is it tangential to that? Like, how does, how does that relate? Yeah. I'm I'm basically explaining it. I'm I'm oversimplifying it a little bit just because of the time context yes. because it's a very deep conversation. But basically another way to think about it is we live in a universe where things don't just happen by accident. Everything is causally related. Everything that happens even if you can't identify the cause of something that doesn't mean there wasn't a cause. And the mental plane or the you know the mind space collectively and individually is the causal plane of everything. So everything's coming from mind. This microphone, the microphone that you're using, the one I'm using, it started in the mind of someone. Someone True. thought up the idea of having a microphone, and then you know maybe it was more than one person, of course. Yes. And then you know some minds got together. They called a mastermind, and then they collaborated, and then they literally thought the concept of a microphone from the from a thought into a reality. So if you think about, it, there is really nothing. And, and all of nature is the same way. It's just that nature wasn't thought up by human beings. It was thought up by forces of creation that are higher, higher orders than we are. You know, whether you want to call it God or you, the infinite intelligence, as um, mm -hmm. was called in some books, like the, the um, Get Thinking Grow, Grow Rich, he called it infinite intelligence. You know, you can call it different things, but it's just a, it's just a way of relating to it. So it's like we live in a one giant universal mind and we're all a part of it. So when you understand that and you start to relate to reality as kind of a mental, um, as a mental universe, it makes it much easier to understand why when we're struggling with things in our own mindset, that's actually contributing to whatever we're struggling with in our lives and, and vice versa. When we achieve great things, it's because we had the right mindset around it. And then how do you, I mean, and I realize this question is loaded and it might take a long time, but I still have it. So I'm still going to ask it, which is how do you break a mental block of mindset when you know you come across someone that's just stuck they're just kind of like ruminating in whatever's not working for them and how do you kind of stop that feedback loop of you know one thought leading to another thought which leads to a negative thought which leads to another thought which leads again to a negative thought and they kind of just they're in this this really vicious cycle of that mindset in terms of like basically they can't right like they can't do something or they're not doing something how do you because this is something that i actually i have not asked any of my previous guests about this and it like to your point it's it's a very deep topic um but is there any tips that you can give at least cursory and i know that this is not you just looking at you by the way we're the, you know for the listeners we're we're on a video zoom although the podcast itself is audio so just just looking at you david i can tell that you're not kind of fly by night you're not you you are a very like um what's the word uh you, to your point earlier your relationships matter quality matters not quantity and so with respect to that, if you can, and if you can't define like the mindset piece, then by no, by all means, you know, don't try. But if there's a way to summarize that, um, yep. what you mean by mindset versus some of the other definitions of mindset, that would be helpful. Yep. And again, this is a big topic. And the first advice I would give someone is dedicate yourself to becoming a lifelong student of this. Don't expect to crack the code in one week or one day or you know, someone's big promise that you're going to get this all solved in a day or a week or a month or even a year. 
what you are going to do is make progress as long as you're headed in the right trajectory. And success is basically being on the right trajectory. That's all it means. Success is not an arrival point. There is no arrival point. We're always on the journey. And if you let go of the need to kind of get somewhere and just see it as stepping stones along a, a very long journey, then you can kind of let go of this need to, oh, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. Um, the other thing is we need to disidentify with our mind, but understand that the mind is part of who we are. It's not the entirety of who we are, but we have a mind. We're not, we are not our mind, but we have a mind. Yes. And, and our mind is connected to the infinite mind. So we have our, our ego driven mind. And then we are tapped into the, what we can call the collective unconscious or the collective subconscious, uh, which is the collective mindset of all of us. Um, so we need to disidentify with, you know, that I'm not my thoughts. I have thoughts and I can relate to my thoughts and I can choose which thoughts to focus on, but I'm not my thoughts. If my, if I get a negative thought, that doesn't mean that I am that thought. It simply means that thought came through my mind. Yes. And what you're suggesting is those thoughts that are fleeting are part of something bigger. It's not just you. It's kind of like this, what I'm hearing at least and reading between the lines a little bit. And it, it's a very spiritual kind of perspective. And I appreciate that actually. But um, uh, yeah, so so without getting too far into it, we're kind of running out of time for those listening. Um, I encourage you to to kind of follow David Greenberg. Look for him on YouTube. Look for him on. Um, do you post on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't post my full. I just post links to my YouTube on LinkedIn, but I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn. A, a large amount is actually related to my business, and then when I do publish a new video, which is probably no more than once a month on my channel. Mm -hmm. then I'll, I'll post a link there. So that's how people can find my YouTube channel as well. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for, for participating, for joining me today. Um, and for everyone listening, we'll catch you on the other side. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 